will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome everyone to episode 429 of Fergo and Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak, and today I'm joined with a very special guest. She follows the world champions and the NRL champions. It's Nadine. Hello, Nadine. Hello, Freaky. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am good. I am finally thawed out after the trip to Canberra yesterday to watch the Raiders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Begrudgingly. But this mm-hmm. is what we do when we're in relationships, right? Yeah. Um, but, yes, no, doing very well. Thank you. That's good. And, look, Canberra, a lot of people have some terrible things to say about Canberra. I actually think that it's way worse. Yes, correct. It was so bad somebody shot the airport up yesterday. So, I, I mean, what what more do you need to say? I heard that they told him that he was five minutes delayed for his flight, and that was just five minutes too much for him. Yeah, he just went off the handle. Now, I lost a bet um, on the weekend between me and MoFo Storm fan, so I have some things I need to say to start the podcast. Um, the first thing I need to say is the Melbourne Storm are a superior team to the Penrith Panthers, and the next thing I need to say is I strongly believe Cameron Smith is the GOAT and a lock for the next immortal. Fuck you, mofo, Storm fan. <laughs> you get stuffed, you bastard. I've got, I've got like fucking three more other things to say during the week because I lost that bet. Out. Yeah, it's not, not good. Not no. good. Anyway, not good at all. So let's move on. on. Let's move yeah. on. Yes, on this podcast, right? I thought what we would do is we would go through and we would rank every single contender for the title out of ten compared to how worried we are about facing them as Penrith Panthers fans. Okay. Are you ready for this? I am. Because this is a question without – I haven't even put much thought into it, hey? So, no. So I'm going to – we're going to go through the ladder and everybody that's still in finals contention. So that's from West Tigers' position, ninth place, which will be the Canberra Raiders, and then we'll go up the ladder eventually to second place because obviously the world champion and NRL champion Panthers are in number one. All right, let's start off with the Canberra Raiders. Now, you have first-hand accounts of the Raiders. You've seen them live. You've seen them live on their home ground. Obviously, the Panthers a couple of weeks ago um, beat them so thoroughly that they had to give their week off to the coach. What do you rate the Canberra Raiders as a premiership threat to the Penrith Panthers out of 10? Zero. So do I. Absolutely zero. And and the fact that they're even uh, flirting with the top eight Mm -hmm. with a negative differential irritates me. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually think that if you have a negative differential, you're not eligible. (laughs) Seriously, it really irritates me that, that teams sneak into the top eight. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's on wins. I totally get it. But the negative differential irks me. Anyway, that's just me. But, yeah, zero. Yesterday they offered not a great deal at all. Um, and, yeah, not concerned about them whatsoever. Yeah, I They're agree. mentally weak. They can't deal. 
they really are. They're mentally weak. They fold really quickly. Put any pressure on them, they will lose. Um, I don't expect that they will make the finals unless the Eels continue their free fall. But, um, yeah, I've got them a 0 out of 10 as a premiership threat to the Panthers as well, especially when you consider that we own the Viking club and we own the Canberra Raiders' soul. Correct. Okay, now moving on to the Sydney Roosters. Um, What do you rate them out of 10 as a threat? Probably a 6 or a 7, maybe a 7. They're really coming home strong and they've got a decent run into the finals mm-hmm. um and you know like teddy manu suwali are hitting their straps at the right time in terms of the you know back line and their forwards are just really showing a bit of mongle at the moment so and that worries me it, it worries me but at the same time the likes of hargraves and radley they walk that fine line. So the mongrel that they've been showing the last couple of weeks, which has worked in their favour, could also go against them if it goes wrong. Yeah. So I put a bit of a caveat there, but they're, they're looking strong, very much so. And they've got the Tigers this week, so that'll just give them another confidence boost. Yeah, they should rack up a, a huge score against the Tigers. Um, I rate them a 2 out of 10. I do not. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think that... Um, their forwards, when if they come up against the Panthers, the Panthers will just shut their forward pack down. And I think that uh, it just leaves too much for Tedesco to do um, and Manu, basically. And Manu, like, he's fantastic. He's a great player, but he's kind of wasted out there in the centres for the for the Roosters. And I just think that they're, they're pretty easy to shut down for that fact. Wow, interesting. Uh, I, I, I think Kiri will get the tap on the shoulder soon from them. Um, one of those, you're our favourite son, now get the fuck out of here things that the Roosters love doing. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I just don't rate them. I, th- I think that they will be an easy beat in the finals if we wow. face them. Interesting. Now, we're on to seventh place, the Parramatta Eels. Uh, big game team, the Parramatta Eels. They played a lot of big games in the 80s. Um, what do you rate the Parramatta Eels as a threat to the Panthers uh, in our title defence out of 10? Five. Okay. Now, why five? So that's purely based on they've had our measure twice this season, sadly. And, yes, the last time they were playing against 12 men. Um, so I can't discount that. But mm-hmm. they're on the slide. So... Um, it, you know, similar to the Raiders, they're not a mentally strong team. So the minute that they get owned, the minute that, um, and I know that you've said this before, uh, Campbell Gillard gets owned by somebody, mm-hmm. that's it. They all just fold, you know, and it's left to Moses to try and carry the team. And without Moses for at least the next one game, maybe two, um, you know, they're, they're on a slide that, could impact them. Um, they've got the Bulldogs this week, and I actually think the Bulldogs are a chance this week, to be fair. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'm only really giving them a five because they've had our measure this season. I'm giving them a zero. A zero. I feel a like zero. that's out of spite. I, well, you know what? I will respect the Parramatta Eels when they fucking win something, you know, and they haven't won anything. 
None of their players have ever been part of a successful NRL team. They've never won anything. They've got. They don't know what it takes to win. We beat them last time we placed them in the finals. We beat them. They get a zero. Like oh, their regular season wins. Wow. Let's fucking give them a trophy all of a sudden for regular season wins. Who gives a fuck? They they've got a half that disappears when it counts, right? They've got a forward pack that disappears in the finals. They haven't got a fullback. Like, if they got a fullback, they might be a chance of beating us. But until they do something in the finals, ever in the last fucking, like, three decades, zero. It's the Parramatta Eels, and they have that reputation for it being the Eels for a fucking reason. Now, wow. What do you rate the Brisbane Broncos out of 10 as a premiership threat to the Penrith Panthers? Five again. Okay. Now and what? that's, that's uh, I think they're just ho-hum. They're kind of there, they're about, uh, and it would be dependent on Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's purely it. I think it also depends on where they end up falling in that bottom half of the eight and who they would need to play in week one. Yeah. So, yeah, because, you know, as it stands at the moment, the Broncos would play the Eels mm-hmm. um, and the Broncos would win that. Yeah. And, I mean, after that, they're then playing a top four team and I don't, I couldn't see them beating any of the top four teams. So it's a five. It's a shocker. I rate them a seven. Really? Yeah. And I, I'll tell you why. Because I think that uh, if they can have all of their forwards back on deck by the finals, and it would be the second week of the finals if they played the Panthers, unless they went really far into the finals. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the Broncos. When we play them, the Broncos have one of their best games of the season. And in the past, like even last year, before they got Reynolds, their best game was against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think with Reynolds there guiding them around the park, they'll be a little bit better again. Um, I think the Panthers would beat them, but I think that the Broncos would make a real game of it. And they don't worry me too much, but I just feel as though that's one of those games that, man, we would have to be on to make mm. sure we beat them. Yep, that's fair. Okay, now on to the... South Sydney Rabbitohs, who are on fire at the moment, and Latrell Mitchell is just playing out of his skin. They're in fifth place on the ladder right now. I expect them to finish higher than that. Um, actually, yeah, they can finish higher than that. So yeah, what do you rate them out of 10? Seven or an eight. Yeah? Yeah, no, just just what you've just said. Latrell's looking probably similar to what I said about the Roosters. Mm-hmm. They've got those players that are, you know, on that fine line where when they are on, they are amazing. But if they just go that one step too far, they become liabilities. Latrell fits that category. Cody Walker fits that category. Um, and some of their forwards also fit that category. But Kalamatangi has been playing out of his skin the last few weeks. Um, and... He's really been setting up quite a lot in terms of backline movements for Latrell to take advantage of. So, yeah, I think in terms of that bottom four at the moment, um, I think this is the first season in ever that there are some 
genuine contenders that will end up in the bottom four. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I I rate them a nine. Um, wow. I just, but it's contingent on basically everything going smoothly right through. So we haven't seen Latrell Mitchell really have an extended finals run Mm-mm. for now. So he needs to do that. They need all their forwards on deck. They they just basically need to keep this team going forward as it is. And you know whether that I mean the the chances of that happening. Uh, who knows? Who knows? But I just think that the thing that worries me is I feel as though you can play South and play them really well and none of it can matter if Latrell Mitchell just has one of those games where you can't stop him. And he's mm-hmm. one of the few players in the whole world that if it, that you can say that about. And that's what gets me about South Sydney. Like, you might go in and, and be able to shut everyone else down and Latrell Mitchell just says, no, nah, I'm not having it and wins the game. So mm-hmm. that's why I rate them a nine because yeah. how do you, you just can't stop him when he's on. Now, the next team, the Melbourne Storm, uh, what do you rate them out of 10? Six. I'm okay. not worried about them. Are you really not worried about them at all? No, not not as much as some of the others. I don't know. I just I feel like, okay, yeah, we lost against them uh, on Thursday night, but I, I just they're not as um, the aura around them has gone. So, you know, once upon a time it was, oh, no, the storm. Oh, my God, how are we going to beat them? You know, we we, we can't go through them. You can't go around them. You can't go over the top of them. But what we've seen this season, and even, you know, the last couple of seasons, but more so this season, is, you know, they're not as enigmatic as they once were. You know, teams have figured out how to beat them, where their weaknesses are, um, and... Having said that, Munster at fullback is a genius stroke. So if he plays the rest of the season at fullback, even when um, Hughes returns, that does worry me a little bit because um, he's been amazing the last few weeks at fullback. But, yeah, I'm not as concerned about them as some others. I probably rate them a 9 out of 10 as well. I think that uh, the thing that worries me about the Storm is I think defensively they can pull it together in big games still. And, you know, we know that the Panthers' attack sometimes um, can be really, really clunky. Like, they win their games defensively. They wear you down, and then by, the you know, the last 20 minutes you're so stuffed because of it, that's when they look like a really good attacking team because everyone else is stuffed on the opposition side. I can see where the Storm... Um, hang in there defensively and make it really difficult for the Panthers to have that last 20 minutes where they overwhelm you in attack. Um, that's the thing that gets me about them. Uh, that and Munster, like mm. he's probably the only other one with Latrell that you look at with these teams and say, well, if he's on, what do you do? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, obviously it's better when we have all of our players on deck and we're we're a different beast defensively as a team when everyone's back. But um, that's the thing that gets me. And obviously Craig Bellamy is a coach. Like you could see where he comes up with something and it's like, oh, he's found the chink in the army, you know. Um, that's the other thing that worries me a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. 
Now, in third place on the ladder, we have the Cronulla Sharks. What do you rate them out of ten? Six. Okay, why? <laughs> Oh no, I'm, I'm, I, they're myths. Yeah. I feel like they've lucked their way into third, and which I mean, it sounds very disrespectful. Um, they've had, you know, they've obviously had good wins. Clearly, you know, they're sitting. Um, I mean, and they're only third on for and against because mm-hmm. they've got the same um, points as the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. They just don't. They don't feel like a premiership winning squad this season, so I'm not worried about them. Yeah, I, I rate them maybe four out of ten at <laughs> best. Like that's been really generous. I just don't I they don't worry me at all. Yeah. Um Nico Hines is so good. Like it's amazing how he's gone to another level this year. And he's like really tough. He's playing tough footy as well, which you wouldn't think when you look at him, you know. Um but yeah, they're forward pack. Not they're not a match for the Panthers, and I just think that um, outside of Hines, a lot of their other players run a bit hot and cold. Mm-hmm. I think that against lesser teams, it, you know, the the players that are running hot get them through because their forward pack is all right. But I think against the Panthers' defense, that that's not going to be enough. And so I just don't think that they've got what it takes. So yeah, I, I rate them at, on a really really good day, four out of ten. Yeah. Now. The last one, the Cowboys, North Queensland Cowboys. What do you rate them out of ten? Probably a seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah, I've kind of got the Cowboys, the Rabbitohs, and the Roosters kind of all in that same tier, that next yep. tier. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, I like the kind of footy they're playing. They're they're tough. They're pretty, you know, pretty good defensively. Um. You know, and they've got some you know, amazing, you know, with Dal Holmes, Nanai, Felt, you know, their back line is, you know, when they're on, they're on, like particularly like Nanai, that, that he's a freak. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do find that once their forward pack starts getting dominated, mm-hmm. they do struggle, similar to, you know, to Parramatta. So, um but it's rare that their forward pack gets significantly dominated. Yeah, you know, so it's always it's always a close contest. It's always a real physical contest, and so that would you know, in terms of where you know, so they'll play. If you look at the ladder at the moment, um, you know, likely play the Sharks mm-hmm. unless there's some significant movements. I mean, they could play the Storm. Who knows? Um, yeah, unless there's some significant movements in that. That week one final, that'll be in Townsville. They will be up for it. it that'll be mental. That will actually be mental. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be crazy, especially considering like last year they had such a terrible season and this season they've got finals footy. It's like what an amazing turnaround. Um, yeah. I rate the Cowboys a seven and I really, really like their side. But I just think that their absolute kryptonite of a team that they would face would be the Panthers. Mm. Because the Panthers, very good defensively, very good forward pack, and uh, Cleary's kicking game, he's going to be turning their big forward pack around all night. And I just think that that's the worst-case scenario for the Cowboys um, is a side like the Panthers. 
it because I I can see where they could punch holes in the Storms pack. They're not going to do that against the Panthers. Um, and yeah, I, I, so that's why there are seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that they would beat maybe a lot of the teams that I've ranked higher than them as a threat to the Panthers, but it's just that styles make fight sort of thing. Um, and the other thing is too, when we played them this year, we just completely snuffed them out. Yeah. And that's, that's stuck with me and I don't know why. I, it's just one of those things where every so often over the last couple of years, we've played teams and we've completely snuffed them out. And it, that, you know, I, I don't know. It just is always stuck with me that has, cause I remember that game we were playing against them at Penrith footy stadium and it was like, this is a huge game. It's going to, ah, and it was a no contest. Yeah, and that that kind of got me. So, um, so yeah. So your main contenders are the Cowboys, the Roosters, and the Rabbitohs. Yep. And mine are the Rabbitohs and Storm, basically. There we go. So in the first week of the finals, out of the, let's go by the ladder right now. Out of the top four teams. Yep. Uh, who would you rather play in the first week? The Storm, the Sharks, or the Cowboys? Oh, I'd rather play the Sharks. Really? Yeah. I would rather play the Storm. I'd rather just play them straight up. Get it over and done with? Yeah. Just, you and know. have them cross to the other side of the draw? Well, I guess that's a bonus as well. But I think that because I see the Storm as such a threat, if we lose to them, we get another chance at it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I just, I don't know, I just look at those teams and think, yeah, let's play you bastards right now. Let's do mm-hmm. it. Let's get it on. Let's not wait for it. Um, that, and that's actually, that's really interesting, especially given, so my line of thinking was that I would, I understand, that's actually really, I hadn't thought of it that way. My thought process was that's the first week with Luai back, Cleary back, you know, that the first week of the finals is the first week that touch wood, barring any other injuries or suspensions, we will be able to field our best 17. Mm-hmm. And I think I would like an easier uh, game, not that any finals game is easy, mm-hmm. but an easier game to warm back into it rather than a rough and tumble. But then on the flip side, I actually – yeah, getting it over and done with, perhaps having that harder, grittier match to kind of, you know, almost like a baptism of fire, so to speak, might mm. also be good because you win, you get the week off. Yeah. So, you know, do you want a tough, gritty win and a week off or do you want a potentially easier win? And a week, I mean, the week off is still beneficial. Yeah. Regardless. Not? Yeah. Um, because if you lose – so whoever loses in that top four, you know, you'd have to think based on form as it stands, you're playing either the Rabbitohs or the Roosters the second week. And that that's a tough ask. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. Um, yeah, I, there's something about it. It's with this, the contending teams. And, like, it's not many times we've been in this situation as Panthers fans where it's like, Okay, we're gonna. We've won the minor premiership. We've we've known we've had the minor premiership for so long. Like, um, we I think we'd have to lose every single game, and the 
the Cowboys to win every single game. Like, it's just, you know, it's ours. Yeah, uh, well, the fact that the Cowboys lost on the weekend, mm-hmm. um, yeah, is good. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, yeah. It takes all the pressure off. <laughs> it uh, does. Yeah, there's something about it. I just am like, it, look, this if, if the Storm are going to be a problem, I think no matter how good they are ever in the finals, like if they could be in eighth place and I'd be like, oh, the Storm, I don't want to play them. And so just like, let's do it now. What are we waiting for? Let's mm. get done. So that's that's my thinking on that. Um, I guess the worst case scenario for me would be if the Panthers played the Storm and lost and then we played mm-hmm. the Rabbitohs in week two. Mm. Um, but if we play the Sharks or the Cowboys, I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, we, we should win those comfortably. Yeah, I would think so. So you reckon the Rabbitohs and the Roosters will be the ones that will play in the second week of the finals from the bottom four? On current form, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with that. Although currently they would be playing one another, I believe. Yes. But I I don't think it'll stay that way. I, I don't, it won't stay that way. Nah, nah. So I think that'll be mixed up a little bit. Um. Yeah, so obviously at the moment you've got Eels, Broncos and Rabbitohs all on 28 points mm. um, with Rabbitohs with the far superior for and against. Mm. So if the Storm were to drop a couple of games and the Rabbitohs obviously win their games, the Rabbitohs could sneak into fourth. So would you want to play them? I wouldn't mind playing them in the first week. So if Rabbitohs were fourth... Mm-hmm. I changed my whole mindset and, yes, play them the first week and get that shit sorted yeah. so that you're either um, beating them and dealing with it and then they're moving to the other side of the draw mm-hmm. or if you happen to lose to them, it doesn't matter. You get another bite at the cherry, you know, so on and so forth. But I'd rather, yeah, for, for the Rabbitohs, I'd rather play them first up. Yeah, and, and it's the same with me. And for the, mm. basically the same reason as I said for the Storm. And yep. I, I think that they're the form team. Uh, like the Storm obviously aren't in great form at the moment and haven't been for a couple of months, even though they just beat us. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the Rabbitohs just look on fire and just, you know, why not? Just let's do it. Let's get it done, you know. And, and uh, I feel as though they're the two teams for me that if – if we play them, we could play them again in the grand final. Yep. Like yep. it feels like really, really, I don't know. They just feel like the two teams that will make it. Like all the other teams, I can sort of look at and be like, oh, you know. But they're the ones that sort of have runs on the board, at least getting to the grand final in recent years. Mm. Um, you know, I know the Sharks were there not long ago with their asterisks, but it's. Uh, it's a bit of a different scenario now that, um, you know, they're, they're all getting tested. Mm. So it's interesting looking at a couple of the runs home in terms mm-hmm. of the draw. Mm. So looking at the Eels, they've got the Dogs this week. Yeah, and I'm tipping the Dogs. I'm like, which I, I've said I, I think the Dogs are in with a real chance. Mm. Then they have the Broncos away. And That's then they have the storm at home to finish the season. Now, if they drop 
two of those games mm-hmm. and I'm just going back to my other screen. So they dropped two of those games. So they'll finish on 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the Broncos, so the Rabbitohs, Broncos, as I said, all on the same points. But um, the Broncos have a far superior, well, not far, but they have a superior for and against mm-hmm. compared to the Eels. So if they finish on 32, um, the Roosters are only one game back from the Eels. If the Roosters can win the rest of their games, they will finish ahead of the Eels. So the Eels will actually limp into eighth. Yeah, and then you've and got... And the Roosters have the Tigers at home. Mm-hmm. Then obviously they have the Storm away. And then as we all know, they've got the big clash with the Rabbitohs um, opening the refurbished, rebuilt Allianz Stadium uh, for the final round. So... There's some like there's a lot to play out for that bottom four in particular. Yeah, and like you know what the okay, I'm just looking at the ladder here, so hang on, I'm trying to move between screens. So the Eels are currently four wins ahead of the Raiders, right? Yeah. The, the Raiders' next few opponents are basically like custom made for them. If they're going to get back into it, so they'll lose every game. What are you talking about? <laughs> or they'll or they'll win the next two and then lose the last one by like forty. So <laughs> the Raiders' next opponent, the Newcastle Knights, they should win that one. Mm. Then their opponent after that, the Manly Seagulls. The Seagulls are not too bad of an opponent, but I can see I could see Manly's season just tailing right off, right? And we kind of saw that in their last game. Mm-mm. And then the the last game for the Raiders is against the West Tigers. Yeah. I can see where the Tigers will put in a plucky performance and, you know, they can try and avoid the wooden spoon and or something like that. But they're three bloody good opponents to be coming up against in the yep. last three weeks. Whereas, you, as you say, you look at that Eels run home and there's no easy games there. No. Yeah, but it's it's the Raiders for and against that then gets them into trouble. Yeah, but that like that's where the Raiders would need to rack up a couple of big scores. Like I can see them doing it against Newcastle, and you could see them doing it against the West Tigers as well. It is possible. Yeah, it's very, it's possible. It, it but it would have to be like if that all happens, I would not want to be the Eels. I would not want to be the Eels, just based on what my podcast will be on the <laughs> week after the fucking last round would be, because it will be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm. I'll invite you back ahead of time. For <laughs> um, okay, so now we've got a little bit of news that you brought up before the podcast where there is a recommendation from the NRL from a bunch of talking heads at front office about limiting contact uh, between players in training sessions in the pre-season to mm. limit head knocks, as we have seen in the uh, in gridiron over in the United States and the NFL and college football over there. Um, it's a weird one, this one, don't you reckon? Yeah, it is a little bit. Um so this is in the SMH, um, it was reported last night, SMH Online, so it's probably in today's print version somewhere, uh, saying that 
the NRL's medical advisory panel will present recommendations to the ARLC in the off-season on potentially introducing um, pre-season training limits with a particular focus on full contact sessions and goes on to say that, you know, they've had this situation in the NFL for about a decade. They've had it in the NCAA, so the college system, um, for the last 12 to 18 months or so, mm-hmm. um, you know, with obviously a lot of research linked to that in terms of how many concussions have been reported, et cetera, et cetera, um, and, you know, obviously uh, Andrew Abdo has said, as with any changes to the game, it'll all be done in consultation with players and coaches, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think it, it is a strange one. I think there is so many other things that we could be doing mm. with regards to concussion protocols that would be better placed than looking at limiting contact drills, uh, unless the contact drills are they're running at each other head first. Um, you know, I think, you know, doing the current protocols around the seven days and what are the steps that you need to go through, et cetera, et cetera, I actually think that needs to be looked at mm-hmm. before anything else. Like if you if you are ruled out of a match with a concussion, so you've failed your, your on-field HIA, that needs to be a mandatory one week off. I don't care who you are. I don't care if that's the best player in the game, the best player in your squad or number 30 in your squad. If we're going to be serious about it, that's what we need to look at because we've heard time and time again from ex-players, from current players through some of the, the RLPA surveys and the like that they know how to fudge the tests. They yeah. know how to get around the tests. So if we're going to be fair dinkum about it, make them sit out a a week, at least a week. Um, And the same to be said, if someone's on the field and, you know, they stay on the ground trying to get a penalty because, you know, they have, in inverted commas, been hit in the head, they've got to go off for a HIA. It'll very quickly stop that behaviour, which, you know, is giving teams a breather. And, And, look, it's within the realms of the rules of the game at the moment. So people are are playing within the rules Mm -hmm. to a degree, but make them go off for a HIA and it'll, it'll stop that behavior. But yeah, I do think that they could very quickly and easily look at things like that in terms of mandatory stand down periods post uh, failed HIAs. Yeah, I agree. And, and just, Put it like when somebody is confirmed to have a concussion, make it a black and white rule that there's no way around. You know, mm, mm. Um, I think that the thing with the HIA that gets me is that you can it's when you see it on the field and see it happening in an actual live situation, we see some players get HIAs and. Like, cause you, I've said this before, you can get hurt, you can get hit in a tackle or be tackling someone and get hurt and stay down and just be like, like, oh my God, that hurt for a mm-hmm. second. And it can look like you were concussed, but you're really just like, you had your wind knocked out of you or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. Um, and get up and that's seen as like, oh, this guy must have got a head knock because he stayed down. And so that's, he's going off for HIA. The thing, the ones that get me 
are when it's pretty damn clear that a guy has to leave the field. Like he got completely, like he might have got up and stumbled. It, like he he literally was in a head clash and stayed down. And then the trainer will be out there doing a, a head injury assessment. And then they leave him on the field. And then somebody in the bunker has to call him off the field. And you're like, yeah, he should have been off the first time. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're the ones that get me where it's like the really, really obvious ones. Um and you could say, like, the trainer maybe missed what happened. He's running out there. He doesn't know what he's dealing with. And the player presented to him as not being concussed. And obviously, every single time a player gets hit in the head, all they're saying to a trainer is, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. none of them are out there saying, you know what? I'm concussed right now. You need to take me from the field. <laughs> it's not how they feel. And so, but I, I think they're the ones that get me. Um, with this idea that is being brought forward. The reason why um, non-contact drills were brought in for the NFL and then college football in the US is because they would have the offensive and defensive lines line up against one another and they they would be doing live drills. So the first thing that they hit each other with is their heads. Yeah. They're all wearing helmets. So it's head-to-head contact, head-to-head contact. And that's, that's their practice. Um, you know, it's not the wide receivers who are getting the ball and running across field and the linebackers are, are just fucking lighting them up in practice sessions because that's not what they were doing. It's the, the offensive and defensive lines, their heads hitting over again and again and again, which is a major problem with the just gridiron in general, getting mm-hmm. rid of that contact. Um, that's not happening in rugby league in preseason. I don't know if the people that put this recommendation forward know what a rugby league preseason is, but there's not a lot of blasting one another in training at all. No. There's a lot of fitness stuff. There's a lot of touch football stuff. Um, eventually, as you get towards the preseason, you start getting a little bit more contact in there, but everyone's not blasting one another. It'd just be dumb, you know? So I think that it's one of those things where they're probably looking at the rest of the sporting scene and seeing this thing happening over there and saying, well, that seems like a good idea. But I think in practice, it just doesn't make sense for rugby league because no one's getting blasted in pre-season. Like if you get concussed in pre-season, you've slipped over and caught somebody's knee or something, you know? Yeah, 100%. So I just, I don't know. I just think it's a bit of a... Someone's trying to justify their job at the NRL headquarters for me for that one. <laughs> now, we had a little bit of news that came out today, and it was regarding Talon Ponga, who was – and I haven't seen the video, I've got to say, but apparently there's a video of Talon Ponga and – who's the other one? Who's the other player? Kurt, Kurt Mann. Mann. Kurt Mann. Yeah. They were seen in a video – coming out of a stall in a pub, a toilet stall in the pub, and they were being asked to leave the premises. And uh, apparently Callan Ponga was uh, unwell in the toilet and his friend went in there to make sure he was all right. Yes. That's... That's nothing to see here. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, what, do you, what else are you going to do? If a friend is in the toilets and he's sick, you go in there, you close the door behind you. Say, man, is there anything I can do to help you? <laughs> like, no, nah, man, I'm just chucking my guts up. Like, it's all right. I'll just stay in here with you. I'll keep this stall closed, you know. 
you want to keep your privacy while you're bathing or whatever you're doing in there. Yeah. Uh, so what I, I what I will say mm-hmm. is, um, it's a four second clip. Okay. So the ability to even string any kind of sensationalist context mm-hmm. around what is occurring, yes, is very minimal. Okay. Um. So. You know, it, it was obviously put on Snapchat based on what I can see here. Um, and, you know, you hear the security or um, or hotel pub staff, whatever, saying, oh, you know, what a surprise or, or something to that effect when um, he opens the door to the toilet stall and Kurt Mann walks out and then Ponga walks out. Mm-hmm. Having read a couple of different news articles around this, just before we started recording, um, the one of the things that uh, the Knights have said is obviously they're seeking an explanation from Ponga. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though, why are they seeking an explanation from man? So uh, this is the media, you know, absolutely focusing on the, the biggest name, yeah, which yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so there should be, you know, for – you know, mainstream media, again, should actually maybe be better and say they are seeking explanation from the pair. Mm. Anywho, um, but one of the other things I read was they're also trying to validate when the video was taken. Uh So it does make me think, and look, there's nothing to suggest that it isn't recent, given that both Man and Ponga are not playing for the rest of the season. Um, But it does make you wonder about how much footage has been taken of players out and about, potentially in off-seasons, you know, in off-season, by weekends where they've been given liberties, you know, away from football, mm-hmm. that people are just saving on their phone for a fucking rainy day. Excuse my French. Um, and it just makes me angry that as a society, that is exactly what is happening. It, it, I've seen it happen not necessarily with football players. I've seen it happen um, in social circles where that kind of crap um, happens. You know, someone's got a video and it's almost like that revenge leaking situation. Yeah. Um, you know, this is probably whatever. It's probably happened recently. But it just made me think about that is where we're heading as a society where people are like, oh, hey, I saw this guy on a night out or I saw this girl on a, on a night out. It could be any sports person. It could be any celebrity. It could be anybody. Mm. And then they choose to share it or release it when it suits them. So mm. uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what's, what has come or well, what comes of this. Um, you know, obviously Ponga's dad slash manager slash whatever um, you know, is is the one who's come out and quoted that he was um, ill. Mm-hmm. So the quote he's provided, uh, uh, sorry, the Daily Telegraph is, he made an exciting house purchase Saturday and celebrated with a few mates drinking, sick in the toilet, and his mate went to help him, end quote. See, uh, like... <sighs> And at the end of the day, when it comes down to all this, I don't, I don't fucking care what Kalen Pong is doing. Like they're not playing. I, it, it made me think that if there was, uh, like they're not in competition, so there'd be no reason for testing for them. Um, 
still in season though they would still be tested yeah okay. but that, i think in season they would only be tested for, for randomly yes uh, like that's the like you could do a targeted tested test on them now right now but if they're out of competition i don't know if they tested positive for something and i'm not saying that they would but just say in a weird scenario they did i don't know that they would get anything happen to them because for those two, they're not in competition. They're they're not playing at all, mm, uh, mm. which is which is kind of a weird scenario for them. So, but it like I don't get the whole pull your camera out thing either. I think it's weird. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine pulling your camera out in a toilet in a pub <laughs> ever? Like, it's so random. It's so you know who weird. does that? Girls in bathrooms filming TikToks. Yeah, what the fuck? That's it. As as the parent of a teenage girl, yeah. that's what happens. <laughs> so weird. You know, you, you start thinking they go off in a group and you're thinking, oh, they've been in there for a while and you go, oh, they're filming TikToks. And then they come back and you say, we're filming it. Then you see on TikTok, oh, that's why you were in the bathroom for so long. Jeez. It's like, I, like I also think like if I was out somewhere and I saw a footy player was about to have a fight, um, I'd be, I'd, I'll be honest. I'd be all excited, right? You'd, you'd jump in. The druid would come out. You'd just revert. It'd be great. I'd light up. You'd go all Jerome Luai on them. <laughs> People would be like, "Wow, you really started to sparkle all of a sudden." Um, but, but yeah, I'd be excited. But the last thing on my mind would be ruining the moment <laughs> by pulling out my phone. And, and recording it, I just want to fucking experience it. I don't get the whole pulling out your phone and recording people thing. It's just it's weird to me. I don't know. It's very voyeuristic. Mm. I mean, it is. It's extremely voyeuristic. And mm. as humans, like socially speaking, physiologically speaking, psychologically speaking, that is actually something that we need. We need that voyeurism, which is why people find reality TV so encapsulating mm. you know because that is a peek into somebody else's existence somebody else's life mm. you know there's there's escapism there but i don't know what escapism well you're not getting any escapism from pulling out a phone and filming celebrities filming sports stars whoever you know getting escorted from premises or you know having a bit of a blue or having a bit too much to drink or having a burger you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's actually ridiculous. Yeah. I'm just not wired that way. Like, I look at it and my brain just goes like, huh? Like, how? who's even thinking that? It's, I don't know. It's so weird to me. But um, I don't expect anything to come of this. I, I think that the Knights will be like, ah, oh, yeah, he was sick. That's that's what we're going with as well. And I really don't care. Like, good luck to him. If he wants to go and do all the spew with his mate in the toilet. Just do all the spew, man. You're on a million bucks a year. I'd be doing spew every weekend as well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think about the Panthers just general, where we're at? Like, it's it kind of sucks at the moment because we're kind of coming home with a wet sail and you know that we're going to be right by the finals. But it would have been nice to sort of just have the – the the full team out there and romping away with the like we would have won by like ten or twelve points by the look of it in the minor premiership that would have been cool but 
it it looks like that we're just going to kind of have a bit of a meh finish to the regular season. Yeah, that is disappointing because, you know, there's a lot to be said about taking momentum into the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it just would be nice from a confidence perspective. Having said that, this team has always bucked the trend for, mm-hmm. you know, in the last couple of seasons in terms of how we do things and, you know, and how they perform on the field and, and what they, the energy they bring. So I'm not too concerned because what the, the flip side is that, you know, obviously you've got Fisher Harris missing the game on the weekend and this week, this upcoming week's game. So he'll play the last few games of the season, couple of games of the season. Um, but, you know, you've got a fresh, fresh-ish Fisher Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Edwards has obviously been playing banged up for quite a few weeks, hence he obviously needed last week off. Um, so you'll have a freshish Edwards, um, you know, but a fresh kick out, uh, sorry, a fresh Luai and a fresh Cleary, that would absolutely put the fear of God into most players and particularly Nathan because unlike Luai, who's obviously rehabbing, mm. Nathan's still able to do full training. Yeah. So, and he will be hungry as hell to come out and atone for his part in the situation the Panthers find themselves in, in the, at the moment in terms of a couple of losses, you know, games that they would probably have expected to win, all of that kind of stuff. So I'd be real worried. Um, so it, it is disappointing because I do feel like, you know, it, we felt it uh, on Thursday night at the game. Um, it, there wasn't the same atmosphere there that there has been all year for our home games. Um, but, you know, you, you flip it on, on its head and you think, yeah, we're going to have some real fresh bodies um, who are primed, ready for that finals charge. Yeah, and I, it's all, I think it's all of the plays you would in this last couple of months that we knew that we had the big lead and that we could get out of origin and stuff. A lot of them are the plays you would, in an ideal scenario, you'd be like, man, it'd be nice if he could have a couple of weeks off. It'd be nice if he could, especially Cleary, because Cleary's played a lot of tough footy and he is a halfback and he plays really, really tough. And um, like, as you say, because he is suspended, he's doing all the training. They're, you know, they're playing with Nathan Cleary at halfback in all of their training drills and stuff. So it's not like they're going to be find it weird to get him back into the side when he does start playing again because they've been doing it all through training mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so yeah that that's kind of what I feel as though as well is that it's all of those players getting a bit of a rest and it it's been forced upon the club rather than it have to be something you do voluntarily because it's it would have been really weird voluntarily to say look we're not playing Nathan Clear for two weeks. We're not playing Fisher Harris for two weeks. And mm-hmm. like it's it's just human nature that you kind of want to send everyone out there because they're ready to go. So um so yeah, I agree with you in that regard. What do you think about Luai and the the way he plays in attack for us? I don't think anybody worries too much about his defense at all, but I'm worrying about his place in the side long term in, in as far as his attack, I feel as though it's maybe going to become a, a point where 
we start looking at him as a half's partner to Cleary and start wanting a little bit more? I agree. Uh, I find that the off the cuff play that Luai has is no longer as effective as it once was. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that he needs to be super structured um, by any means, but I I totally agree. It's not as effective. It's very sideways. It's, and it's, that has not changed. It's always been, very sideways. So he's yeah. not a direct – he doesn't really take the line on. Um, and I know that um, – was it the 2019 season, maybe even part of 2020, there was a lot of criticism about Nathan's game being too structured. Mm. Um, and I remember hearing a lot, particularly from, I think, Andrew Johns at the time, saying – that's because the systems, you know, like all of these kids that, you know, start at, you know, 15s and come all the way through, it's all about systems. It's all block plays. It's all, you know, out the back, out the back, out the back for a, a, a big play. And because Nathan and all of, you know, those players of that similar age, they've all grown up with that as the standard, whereas it took Nathan, a, you know, probably a little bit longer than people were expecting of him, which was probably unfair, to find that mix, that good mix between structured play and unstructured play. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm finding now when I watch the Panthers is Jerome hasn't learnt to be structured so he's still completely unstructured, you know, off script. And there are times when that is just amazing and flamboyant and when it comes off, it's beautiful. But it's not happening often enough. Yeah. Um, and what will happen next year naturally is the way he plays will have to change and it will have to change because there's no kick out. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, obviously we've – got a lot of depth. We actually do have quite a bit of depth in our second rowers and, you know, edge back rowers. And obviously we've got uh, Luke um, Gartner coming, you know, you've got Lenny there, you've got Sorensen there, you've got Liam Martin, then you've got a whole range of players in New South Wales Cup who are knocking on the door Mm. um, and will probably get some chances next year as well. Um, so I think Luai will have to change how he plays a little bit next year because you don't have Kikau outside him. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting. But, you know, they've got Kurt Falls in New South Wales Cup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, he's a bit of – my concern is if they wanted to kind of bring him up, he's a bit too much like Nathan. Mm-hmm. So then it's a bit too same-same. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of he'd hold and end up, he'd do the good job. But, yeah, it'll be – I think Luai does need to think about how he can elevate his game. Like what's what's the next thing for him now that his little, you know, foil in terms of kick-out um, won't be there next year. Yeah, I agree completely. And, you know, I guess there's always the spectre for, for you know, Luai of – Matt Burton coming towards the end of his contract at the at the Bulldogs and the Panthers are like, man, we could get this guy back. Because Burton, if you look at him right now as a player he is, be the perfect halves partner for Cleary in terms of his age, his size. He's a big ball runner, very good ball runner. 
and uh, he's got a li- little bit more of the the skill side of the game that Luai kind of doesn't quite have at the moment anyway. And I, I just think that um, I, I think it's one of those things where uh, you could look at, like if the Panthers don't win the premiership this year, um, you could look at that and say, well, maybe that's one of the areas they could have improved in is um, at 5-8 because I, I don't know, I, I just... There's too many games with Luai where I, I see his play and it's just, we need more from him. Like, mm-hmm. I hope that he pulls it together and he, he makes it all happen because he's such a great competitor. Um, but I just feel as though, and he does this thing where when he gets the ball and we're in a good attacking position, because he's not a hard straight ball runner, he uses his footwork. So the first thing he does is he stops and he and he it sort of is like a bit of a handbrake on our attack. Mm-hmm. And then he engages the line, and that's when he's looking for his ball plays for the most part because he's not really one of those ball hard ball runners himself. Um, where he's really good is when you take on the line and the defense isn't set, and then he mm. gets that footwork and he normally gets through and scores. Like he's really good in that sense. But um, yeah, I, I think in in set game situations, he just goes straight across field, and then he's looking for his ball runners back on the inside and. It's just kick out, you know. It's it's basically always going to kick out and hoping he does something. Mm. And that's we need more than that. It's and it sounds silly because it's such a good team, but our attack is our Achilles heel at sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and you know we can't always just rely on the fact that the opposition team is going to be absolutely busted by what we've done in defence. We need to keep trying to improve in those areas and. And I look at all of the other players, and look, we've obviously got a production line of outside backs. You don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the same with the forwards. You don't have to worry about that. We've got a halfback that's young. He doesn't want to leave the club. He's well paid. He's happy. We don't have to worry about that. There's so many things we don't have to worry about. But there's, if I had to focus on one area, it's what we get out of five eighth and. It just worries me. It really worries me because I hope that he's our five eighth until he retires. You know, he's from Mount Druitt. He's one of my brothers, and I, I don't want it to be that case. But I can see where we're going to get to that point at some stage, and it sucks. But I hope it changes. Yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree. Um, yeah, oh, it's just—it's it, so frustrating. It's, it was frustrating on Thursday night to know that, you know, there's still so much development left in O'Sullivan, who's going to the Dolphins, obviously, mm-hmm. and Jamin Salmon, because mm-hmm. the kicking game was off. Mm. They just they weren't landing the same way. And, look, this is just, you know, we're spoiled. I, I totally understand what? that. There'll be look. There'll be people. There'll be West Tigers fans that'll fucking hate our guts right now. Exactly right. <laughs> They're like, oh, you only got f- fucking six point lead on top of the premiership. Let's look at your five eight. Um, but that's another area that Luai really needs to work on. His kicking game is poor. Yes, yes. absolutely poor. He's not a genuine option if Nathan's under pressure. Um, because he has no long kicking game and his short kicking game is 
average. It's the most it, rocks and diamonds kicking game I've ever seen. And I think average would be uh, complimentary. Yeah. At that time. So, um, yeah, so it's just it, it is one of those things that I, I agree that our five-eighths is, you know, that position is the weakest on the field. Mm-hmm. And that's coming from somebody who used to think that it, it was fullback that was our weakest position on the field. I don't and know. I no longer say that. Listen, I've always been a big supporter of our fullback. I don't know what you've been saying about him. But... <laughs> oh, dear. If only people saw our messages <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> Do you reckon in a couple of years' time, we'll be doing a podcast where we're talking about how some young kid come up from reserves and all that. And he's the Australian five eighth and he's like 110 kilos. And he's got a kicking game. And, and we're like, remember when we were worrying about the five eighth position? <laughs> yeah. We'll have no front rowers. We'll have no back rowers, but our five eighth will be solid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like, like we're literally three years ago, we had our choice of three, first graders like they're like it was him laurie and uh burton and we're like mm. when will we choose and now <laughs> we're sitting here whinging it's great it's great to be a panthers fan isn't it oh isn't it just by the way our stadium it's cool that it's all going ahead it's just a case of where it's going to be built whether it's going to be the current stadium site or the site across the road at the well, tri- no, no, no. It's definitely going to be the site across the road, so the Paceway site. Um, oh, that's been confirmed now. Yeah, so the state okay. government is um, now in negotiations to compulsorily acquire that site from the Paceway or from mm. whatever the holding entity is. Um, and so it's more a case of how long will that process take? Because once the government has compulsorily acquired or or agreed to terms at least, then they can start design concepts, et cetera, et cetera, for the stadium. Um, Yeah. Because I think the initial design concepts for the current footprint um, will will change because the Paceway site is larger. Yeah. Having said that, the Paceway was always going to leave that showground site. That's what I thought. Yeah, so they were always going to leave and they were going to redevelop that site and put units on there. Yeah. Now, nobody needs more units on Mulgoa Road in that (laughs) vicinity, let me tell you. (laughs) Like, we do not need it. Mm. Um, There is the infrastructure in that area will not support more apartments and what is already going on there mm. in terms of with Panthers redeveloping some of their land and putting apartment living and stuff like that. It's already congested. So um, get rid of it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. They were always going to move. It was just a matter of when. So they were marching to the beat of their own drum. Obviously, this is now pushing them and it's pushing them a little bit faster than I think that they would have liked because mm. they then need to find – another home for themselves and they hadn't really started looking at that. So um, so yeah. I would suggest that it, it will be oh, probably at least 12 months before we've got an agreement in place with regards to um, 
that site being acquired by the government and, and relevant planning approvals and the like for whatever our stadium will look like at that stage. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it'll be good to get that in place. Uh, well deserved for the people of Western Sydney. I think I, I would congratulate all of the uh, politicians that are involved for seeing the value in the people of Western Sydney. Very important people if those people want to keep their jobs. Um, I guess the other bit of news that come out is the one of the um, developments in Concord, in inner city, I'm willing to call that. Mm. Uh, there was a development that was put together for a, a club that doesn't actually play there, the West Tigers. Uh, lots of public money spent on a facility for one football team. Uh, kind of crazy to me. The Centre of Excellence for the West Tigers. Um, it is one of the greatest um, rugby league training facilities in all the world and one of the top five in Sydney, got to be said. Um, we've seen the West Tigers pumping it up. They've got some wonderful things there. The, my favourite one is that they've got a barber. Mm. Um, I, I wonder if they, because they've got to balance the books, you know, so I wonder if they just get like the trainee barbers in to cut hair. It'll be, they do a deal with the local TAFE or something. Huh? <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> uh they have a you you were telling me they've got a a miniature football field that they can do walkthrough trainings on yes well yeah which is interesting because when i watch them play it looks like they train by walking through their training sessions um, it's also interesting because to me that looks like you know when um uh, army chiefs are planning how they're going to go to war and they're working on little little scaled models on a, on a that's that's the vision I have you know but then I think so they're going to do walkthroughs that's great so what's the purpose of the full-size football field outside the fucking training facility yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to be one of the walkthroughs where they're like okay now we're in our defensive line now James Roberts, if you just start turning around in a circle like you do on the field, uh, if our forwards could just sort of just lie down, just lie down like you do on the football field for us. Uh, Luke Brooks, can you, have we got something yet? Cover him in a sheet so we can't see him during the, this walkthrough because he's always invisible. And just go through it like that. I, I'd love that. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but good on good on the West Tigers. It's uh, they they've been complaining about getting money for the Panthers Stadium, and they've got all of that money for a training facility. It'll be really good for them to move out of the demountables finally in 2022. Yes, agreed. Bunch of fucking shitheads. Um, now yeah, it's been a, a good podcast. It's been lovely having you on. Have you got anything you want to promote or anything at all? No, I hadn't even. Oh, that's a question without notice. I know. Um, I know. Sorry. You, next time, give me a heads up about that. Um, well, you know, you can check out our Instagram, uh, Fogo Freak Pod. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit more active on that, but, you know, life gets in the way at times. Mm. So we did, I did go to Canberra yesterday. I did post, you know, a couple of things from, from Canberra. Um, it was cold, as I said at the top of the podcast. Mm. Um, it was full of Canberrans, so meh. Ugh. What do you do? 
Yeah. Um, really interesting people in Canberra, huh? Hey? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, um, a cardboard box. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, go check it out. And um, I'll be doing a few polls uh, in the lead-up to the final series. Mm-hmm. Um, so get involved and I'll, you know, we'll send those through for the boys to do some stuff for podcast episodes. Yeah, and your work on there is amazing. Like, I've got an Instagram account now, and I see you post stuff, and I'm like, how the fuck did she do that? Like, <laughs> I've got no idea how you're doing all this stuff. It's <laughs> fucking just a mystery to me. Um, so, yeah, go and check that out. It's always cool. I actually – I follow it, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool to see that sort of stuff. So um, – and you always get alerts on there when we got a new episode and stuff like that. It's so cool. So thank you for doing that for us. It's oh, a, welcome. Being here, you've got no idea with Instagram. It's fucking <laughs> very hopeless. Um, so check that out. Um, and yeah, thank, look, thank you for coming on. We'll have you on as the final start as well because we can get our Panthers content in there and talk about the greatest rugby, well, the greatest sporting team on earth at the moment. Like who's better? It's no one better. No, there really isn't. <laughs> uh, it's hard to it, argue facts. Yeah, it's just it is what look it is what it is. We just have to settle for it, you know. And hopefully we can sort out our five eighth and get a bigger lead in the premiership next year. Um, so thank you to everyone for listening. It's been wonderful having you listening to us. If you're still listening and you're not a Panthers fan, what's wrong with you? Like, you you got some problems. You need to sort that out. Um, thank you to Palmerbet for sponsoring us. Thank you to you for listening. Remember to check out all of our social media shit. Uh, and thank you once again to Nadine. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. Palmerbet with the big don't argue. Punters will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.